0: morning and really and truly thank you so much so much for being here let's have a word of prayer together and uh, we will dive right in our father and our God we thank you for this day we thank you for the sun coming up this morning and God we do lift up our neighbors who were caught in harm's way last night in the storms and the floods and we pray your protection around them personally and physically but father we also pray for strength as now the the recovery begins and For those, God, who experienced damage or loss through this storm, we just lift them up to you and your care right now. And Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together in this place. We thank you, God, for the fact that you are here with us and desire to do something in each of our lives. God, that you know exactly where each of us needs you personally, that corner of our lives, that corner of our hearts that maybe we keep hidden from other people, but God is so, so apparent to you, and we just ask that you would move in every corner of our lives today, that you would clean us out and fill us up with your presence, with your spirit, as we go into this new week. Father, I ask this morning that you would speak through me, that you would speak, God, in spite of me, and use this time for your purposes in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. You know, it was about 10 or 11 years ago that a really, really good friend of mine called me and invited me to go on a fishing trip. I had never taken a trip like this before. I had never, you know, left Julie and the kids for a few days just to go off with a bunch of guys and go fishing. And. This destination was a fly fishing trip to the Bahamas. Now, some of you, I know, as soon as I say Bahamas, you're like, whoa, man, the Atlantis and resorts and an Arnold Palmer with an umbrella sticking out the top of it. And that is not an accurate representation. This was third world remote fishing camp Bahamas. And so as he began to kind of lay out this trip for me, I, I kind of started to clue into the fact that it was very important that you pack well. For this trip because this is not the kind of trip where if you leave something at home you can just kind of bop into HEB or run over to REI and pick it up if it's not there, if you don't have it when you get there you're not going to have it till you get home and so he kind of very I thought meticulously provided a list of things I needed to take you know I didn't know what size fly rod and fly reel and what kind of flies do the bonefish like and Polarized sunglasses, how many changes of fishing clothes are we going to be able to wash clothes at the end of the day everything so I very meticulously packed Checked the list recheck the list the day came we took off and got to the island of Andros in the Bahamas just off the coast of Florida there and the first day of fishing was unbelievable. Absolutely, bluebird, chamber of commerce, skies, the water was gin clear. there were loads and loads of hungry, dumb fish that would eat the fly if I put it remotely in their zip code and It was an unbelievable day. The second day, however, we got up to go fish, and we noticed as we were getting in the boats to head out to the flats that the clouds had kind of grayed up a little bit. The wind was up just a little bit and we made our way and we motoring across this flat at about 30, 35 miles an hour in our very, very small flats skiff, about 18 feet long, when all of a sudden we began to feel just these little drops of rain. And the little drops of rain gave way to big drops of rain. And the guide put the hammer down on the boat. And now these drops of rain began to feel like little needles poking into our heads and in our arms. And there was a small little key, a little island there that had some burned out houses and what used to be structures on it. And so we made for that key and beached the boats and everybody grabbed their gear and ran over to, to find what little bit of structure you could maybe get under and get out of the rain. And as we got into these burned out structures, I noticed that all of the anglers, all of the guides began digging into their boat bags and started taking out rain gear. They they started taking out rain jackets and rain pants, and they put their hoods up and kind of hunkered down, and your Pastor Mac stood there watching them with rain dripping off the bill of his hat, getting soaked to the bone, and they were all putting on their rain gear and making it fast and doing it quickly, and the friend of mine who had given me the meticulous list looks over at me, rain dripping off my hat, and goes, Mac, where's your rain gear? I looked at him and I said this. It wasn't on the list. I learned a valuable lesson that day. If you make proper preparations, you can weather any flood. You can weather a flood if you have made proper preparations. Now, some of you are probably thinking, okay, here we go. Noah's Ark. All the animals, two by two. I know where this one's going. No, you don't. That's next week. As a matter of fact, next week as we continue the series, Something in the Water, I am going to preach on Noah. And the title of that message is, already, we're going to need a bigger boat. But that's next week. This week, the message is, when it rains, it pours. Tell your neighbor right now, with passion and enthusiasm, because you survived the flood, when it rains, it pours. Now, this is something that God uses throughout the Bible to illustrate who he is and what he does. This idea of a flood. To be sure, we know the story probably of Noah and the ark. If not, you've seen little cut-out figurines in kids' nurseries and that kind of thing. You, you know that Noah built a big boat and a bunch of animals got on it and God saved them and the whole earth was covered by water. And that is a significant, significant moment In the biblical account, but we'll take care of that next week. Today what I want to do is talk about how God uses a flood in a positive way. Most of the time when we think of a flood, we think of a natural disaster, something to be avoided, something to be insured against. But God takes the idea of a flood and stands it on its head when he describes how he wants to bless his people, how he wants to provide for those who follow him for those who engage with him in relationship it's a phenomenal thing and this is something that i'm really excited about because i think that blessings may be one of the most misunderstood misapplied mistaught subjects in the entire world and i have never ever met anybody who has two many blessings in their lives i mean right now is there anybody who walked in the door let's just take a scientific sample in this room anybody in the room who, like like you know what too many blessings don't give me any more god I mean, is there anybody who would say that and yet a lot of times we misunderstand what it means to experience the blessings of god now before i take one more step in this message I want to make sure that you understand when we talk about the blessings of God, we are not only or exclusively talking about material financial blessings. This is not one of those sermons, you know, if you give this, then God will give you back a hundredfold. Amen. Here we go. That's not the deal. God has so many resources, so many tools at his disposal with which he can bless us that he will never be limited to only blessing us financially or materially. It's not not the way he operates. God blesses in a number of ways. Matter of fact, last night, Julie and I got to attend a wedding for a member of our church. I got to officiate at this wedding, and it was a tremendous blessing to me. This was a couple who had come together for all of the right reasons in the right season, and it was an exciting time. Her parents were excited about it. His parents were excited about it. It was a blessing. And as Julie and I were driving to this wedding that I would be officiating, it struck me how much fun it is for me to participate in a wedding like that because of the marriage Julie and I have. I thought, man, this is so much fun because Julie and I have a lot of fun together. We have a great marriage. Like everybody, we have our moments. She snaps me back into line and we move ahead in the love of the Lord. But. We've got a great marriage. Can you imagine what a doggy downer it would be for the pastor who has to perform a wedding but he's got a terrible marriage? You know, marriage is God's gift to humanity. You have been called together as husband and wife. This will be great. Good luck. Take care. (laughs) I mean, that would be terrible. But last night, I got to perform this wedding with incredible enthusiasm because of the blessing of our marriage. Of what Julie and I get to experience day in and day out. Even when we encounter challenges, we handle those challenges together. Anyway, it's an amazing way that God has blessed us, particularly me. I think I'm speaking for her in this point, but that's the deal. But when we talk about the blessings of God, it's important that we understand how he wants to do this, but also what he is up to as he blesses us. If you've got a Bible with you, look in Malachi chapter number 3. In Malachi chapter number 3, if you're from Texas, it'll look like Malachi. (laughs) Malachi's in the Old Testament. He's one of the minor prophets. Now, that doesn't mean that he didn't do his homework and was just kind of okay. It's just that his book is one of the smaller books of prophecy in the Old Testament. But in Malachi chapter 3, God says something fascinating To the nation of Israel, to his chosen people. And in in talking to Israel, he is by extension talking to those of us in the New Testament faith who have been grafted into the tree of Israel. So when God talks to Israel, we're learning about how he operates in covenant relationship with his people. And look at what he says in Malachi chapter 3. He says... See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. See if I don't pour open the floodgates of heaven and there will be so much blessing you won't be able to put it in a big enough room. It will spill over out of anything within which you try to contain when God throws open the floodgates of heaven. Now, the floodgates of heaven is a borrowed term. One of the only other times that that phrase is used in the Bible is all the way back in Genesis chapter 7 with Noah. Noah when God threw open the floodgates of heaven and it rained 40 days and 40 nights and the entire surface of the earth was covered in water. But here God takes that natural disaster, that that moment of judgment, and flips it to describe the way he wants to bless his people. That he will throw open the floodgates of heaven. That's an amazing thing. So as we weather this flood of 2015 here in Central Texas, we have an amazing picture of how God desires to bless His people. But here's the thing you got to know, and if I could, this, this is the whole sermon in one sentence. I'm going to ask you not to leave as soon as I say it, but this is the whole sermon in one sentence. God pours out His provisions when we prove our preparation god will pour out his provisions when we prove our preparation you see god in his infinite wisdom and insight into who we are and how we operate best and because he is love will only bless us to the level we are prepared to handle He's not going to bless you with more than you can handle spiritually or emotionally or relationally or personally or practically. There there was a day in my life when I wasn't ready spiritually to date, much less to marry Julie. God had some serious work he needed to do in my life, Jack, Jackie. I mean, it was... I, I had to kind of straighten some things up. I had, to, I had to get a little more deliberate about my relationship with Christ in order to be able to love and to lead and to serve Julie in a way that she deserved. So I wasn't ready. So guess what? We didn't start dating. We, we didn't fall in love, get engaged, get married until God saw that I had proved my preparation, that I was ready to now step into that. doesn't mean I was perfect by any stretch, but it meant I was willing to step into that responsibility that came along with the blessing of Julie. So we need to understand that God is very, very deliberate about the way that he blesses. When he says he will throw open the floodgates, he doesn't just like bless us willy-nilly. He blesses us deliberately and intentionally and purposefully Based on the level of preparation that we have already demonstrated, we're ready to handle. So that's what's going on here. And so today, really and truly, all we're talking about is flood preparation. We're just talking about being prepared for a flood. Psalm chapter 24 gives us the first step in preparing for the flood of blessings God desires to give us. Psalm 24 says, The earth is the Lord's, and everything everything in it the world and all its people belong to him the earth is the lord's and everything in it god is talking here about the issue of possession it's the issue of possession and in order for us to prove our preparation to receive the blessings of god we have to settle the issue of possession in our lives we have, to issue, we have to settle that issue. I've got to understand that every single thing in this world belongs to God. Everything. This, you know, you, you may think, man, who would wear a purple shirt? This purple shirt belongs to God. It's not mine. It's God's. So if you don't like my shirt, you take it up with God. But I'm telling you, everything, every stitch of clothing. Every horse you rode in on, every car that you drove into the parking lot, all of it belongs to God. Now, some people will say, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, they'll do this privately, but this is what they're thinking right now. Wait a minute, preacher boy. I work hard for my money. I did that. I earned that. And that's true. You probably earn a paycheck. You hopefully didn't rob anybody this week, but you've earned that. But... I want to just tell you to write down Deuteronomy chapter 8. Just just write this down. We're not going to put it on the screen. But in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, the Bible says, Remember the Lord your God who gave you the ability to create wealth. Remember the Lord your God who gave you the ability to create wealth. Now, some of you are thinking, well, I'm not wealthy. That's not me. No, no, no. He's talking here about any resources. Anything entrusted to your care, God gave you the ability to earn that. God gave you the mind, God gave you the body, God gave you the relationships, God gave you the opportunities, all of it. So all of those things go together to settle the issue of possession. It's all God's. It's all God's. Everything you have, everything I have, my relationship with my kids, that's God's. My kids are God's. He just entrusted them to me for 18 years. 22 years, I kick them out. <laughs> now they can come home and visit briefly. But they're God's. Everything is God's. It's the issue of possession. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. This kind of moves the issue of possession into the next issue. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. And before I read this, this is the first time in my life I've understood exactly what Jesus was talking about here. You have to understand the issue of possession in order to understand Matthew 5, 3. Look at what Jesus said. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, poor in spirit, I never understood what that meant. I thought that that meant, you know, you were kind of like Eeyore. You just kind of, oh, I'm, I'm I'm poor in spirit. I, I love the Lord, but I, I'm poor in spirit. No, 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 no. I, I, I'll have bread and water. That's okay. But then I remembered, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. And joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. So when we come into relationship with Christ, we're supposed to be marked by joy. So how do you reconcile poor in spirit and joy? And then I realized to be poor in spirit means that you understand the possession issue. You understand in your spirit, in your soul, that you don't own anything, that God owns it all. And so when you have settled the possession issue, then you come into being poor in spirit and inheriting the kingdom of heaven You have then settled the issue of your position. God's possession creates our position. He has provided everything for us. Isn't that brilliant? I'm I'm saying God's brilliant. I, I didn't make that up. If you want to think I'm brilliant, that's fine. But I'm saying God did that. So when we settle the issue of possession, we then determine our position As the ones to whom God has given everything. He is now our provider. He's our provider. And I want you to notice through this whole thing, the relational thread that ties it all together. The fact that this is all about relationship and intimacy with God. I'm going to come back to that, but just notice it right now. Now. I told you just a second ago that that verse in Malachi chapter 3, that was just the tail end of Malachi 3.10. Let's read the whole thing. Now that we understand possession, we've come to understand and own our position. Look at what it says. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe. Say the whole tithe. The whole tithe. tithe. That is not roll tithe, by the way. (laughs) It's not. That is not biblical. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So we've settled the issue of possession. We've assumed our position in relationship to God. And here you see that the ultimate preparation is to bring the whole tithe, the first fruits, the first 10% of whatever you earn. If you get an allowance, if you get a paycheck, whatever. You bring the whole tithe to the storehouse that my house may be full. Now all of a sudden, it's not only possession, it's not only position. God is calling us to participation, to participating with him in what he does in this world. So that when the storehouse of God, when the house of worship flourishes, ministry happens. America's Mighty Warriors. This summer as a church, because people bring the tithe, we will make incredible investments in the lives of our students through Beach Week, in the lives of middle school students, through Riot. Children, elementary school in Jolt rock camp we will continue to fulfill our commitment to mobile O's and fishes community first of over two hundred thousand dollars to help provide a place for the chronically homeless to get off of the streets here in our community all of those things are ministries that are resourced through this act of worship because we've settled possession We've gotten in the right position. Now we get to be a part of participation with what God is doing in this world. Matter of fact, we, we had some people who, who've got friends in, in other churches around the city and around the country, and we had people asking us, hey, is there a way that we can, we can give, like over our phones, just text and so we did some homework and found an incredibly secure and great way to do it. I want everybody, real quick, take your phone out. Just, just take your phone out, real quick. You're not giving anything right now. Just relax. Somebody's like, "I'm not doing it." That's okay. Take your phone out, just real quick. I want you to write this number down, or, or thumb this number down. I got a phone call during the service. Had to go find it. <clears throat> okay. Here's the number: five one two. If you enter that number as a text number, as a number to text to, the first time you do it, you have to set it up with your bank card or whatever so that you're not going into debt to do this in any way, shape, or form. You enter your credit card number, expiration date, and, and the security code, the CCV, or CVV, I never remember. And then, and then you're set up you, then you just type in a number and you have just tithed or given a gift to the church that's, that's how that happens it's so simple i didn't do i did it so if if you want if you think man i'm on vacation this summer or maybe i'm not on vacation i'm in town but i'm in resort mindset you know what i'm talking about and you just think about it, you can just you can just tithe with text you can just boom $5 $10, $10 million, whatever God lays on your heart. You're able to do that just right there with your phone. But again, it's about participation. And that's not where it stops. Malachi goes on. Malachi goes on and he shows us a couple of the results of the flood. Check this out. God says in Malachi 3.11, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe says the lord almighty so you settle the issue of possession you assume an appropriate position with god so that you're ready to participate with god and god promises protection He promises protection around your material needs my material needs you know a lot of us know over the last seven eight nine years you can't predict what the economy is going to do most of us don't have to worry about pests devouring our crops you know unless you've got like a little hipster garden going in your backyard or something But what God is getting at here in this agrarian society is the fact that he will provide supernatural protection around your material, my material needs. He will supernaturally intervene. Doesn't mean you'll never have a crisis. Doesn't mean you'll never have to replace a roof because of a storm or that Your tire won't blow out as you're riding down the road. But it means that he will protect you and he will walk through that with you. Because you have proved your preparation. You've proved your preparedness to receive the blessings of God flooding into your lives. And even that's not the end of the story. Look at what he says in verse 12. Malachi 3.12. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. You see, when God blesses us, when those floodgates of heaven are opened into our lives, it overflows into other people's lives. There's never a blessing that God gives in a vacuum. Ever. He always blesses us so that we might then be a blessing every single time. As I said, that couple that we celebrated their wedding last night, they're just married. You know, we, we were so excited for them, and they look great, and they don't have a fat clue what they're doing. They have no idea what they just signed up for last night. <laughs> it's great but they're already a blessing. They're already blessing other people. They're already setting an example of what happens when a man and a woman come together, sold out to Christ and absolutely head over heels in love with each other. It's a great blessing to the people around them. If you receive a financial windfall, if God blesses you financially, you can know. God wants to do something with that in somebody else's life. You start looking for those opportunities to be generous beyond obedient. But as I said just a second ago, don't miss the relational component of this. All of this floodgates of heaven discussion is ultimately about our relationship with God. We've got two kids. Emily is in college and... Joseph's getting ready to graduate high school and go to school, but I love getting texts from my daughter Emily from college. It's great. Of all the things I have on my phone, the pictures, the contacts, the apps—that you, you could have all of them, and I could replace them, and they'd be fine—but what is absolutely irreplaceable are the text messages I get from Emily, because she texts exactly like she talks. And so I'll, I'll get a text from her out of the blue. Hey there, all caps, multiple exclamation points. <laughs> I'm on my way to class, stopping by Einstein's. Hope you have a great day. Love you. Man, is a dad, that's just, I'm just, that, you can take me home at that point. But what I've noticed is this. Whenever Emily begins a text, um, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I know she's about to ask for money. I know. Remember the t- like on TV when people hold up the signs, Dad, send money? Emily doesn't hold anything up on TV. She's got that phone. I believe she has um, dot, dot, dot copied, so all she has to do is paste it and cut down time texting. It'll be um, dot, dot, dot. I need a fill in the blank. Hey, what do you think about if I were to go dot, dot, dot? And can I tell you something? As a dad... I love it I do now I usually say no (laughs) because she's not ready to receive the blessing she's asking for (laughs) that's my call but I will tell you this I love giving her stuff When she's ready. And I love. I especially love. That she calls me. How messed up would it be. If she called one of y'all. Think about that. I'm serious. What if. She sent you a text message. From Charleston, South Carolina. That said um dot dot dot. My dad's probably going to say no, so would you mind sending me as her father? I'd be like, what are you doing? You don't go to other people? come Who's your daddy? <laughs> I believe with everything I have that that is a sliver of how God loves us. Of how he wants to provide for us. Of how he wants us to approach him. To get our hearts right with the materialism monster that we all fight. And and to go to God with our prayers. And with humility. And with much preparation. (laughs) To say, Father, um, dot, dot, dot. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a second. In this moment, today, we're going to end a little differently than we normally do. But I just want to invite you. I just want to invite you. to consider the fact of God's promise to flood you with his blessings in order to deepen your love for him, your dependence upon him. In this moment, I want to just invite you to pray just to pray what scripture says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it the earth God is yours help me to settle the issue of possession. Father, this morning we remember the fact that you are our perfect heavenly father. And as our perfect heavenly father, you meet all of the requirements, you fulfill all of the responsibilities of a dad. of our perfect Father. And so God, we offer ourselves to you. God, we recognize possession. That it's yours. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would make us leadable. Help us to follow after the heart of God with everything that we've got in order to experience everything he offers. Father, we love you. And we thank you for this time. We thank you for your presence in this place today and for the gifts that you have showered down on us. lift up this prayer in the name of Jesus who makes it possible and so so much more and everybody said amen